Are you, you have your stuff ready there? You're just waiting for oh, us yes, to be quiet. How is your stuff? Is it ready? Don't ask me how my stuff is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Outpost, a podcast about inspired thinking. I'm here today, and we've got Tom and Mark and Krista. Tom, how are you? How are you doing today? Super excellent, thank you. Good job. Yeah. Thank goodness I prepped you for that I question. Know, <laughs> I brought it. Yeah, you were yeah. prepared. I was very ready. Proud of you. Okay. Thank you, Krista. You've got community questions for us. Can I you start do. it out for us? So, Alexi asks: When you switch to a new project, how often do you resurrect old ideas? In other words, what is more common: saying "Here is something I've been thinking about for years," or starting on a brand new idea? Interesting. Yes, that's an insightful question, actually. Very. What do you think, Mark? My first instinct is that I try mentally to dismiss what I've done before so that I can go into a new space and do something new because of what potentially I could learn, which is a lot. Um, that's my first instinct. I think when I really think about it, though, I probably re- I go back again and again, like to the well of what I've already done. And if there's water every time, I'm just going to keep going until it's dry. But I try really hard to move away from what I've done. I think that's maybe a psychological behavior well, instead of advice. Because what's interesting <laughs> is, you know, the mechanics of what you're doing, whether it's in a game or, or a book or a project or whatever, the mechanics can be very different. Because I know that is something you care very much about is this this daring, bold mechanics of, th- of something. But what the sacred concept or the idea behind it is, I think, what's the resource in that well that you keep going back to. It's this these depth of concepts that kind of gnaw at you. And I'm saying at you, but I mean any of us that are creative. There are these concepts that gnaw at us that we keep bringing into projects um, or resurrect into new projects, even if the mechanics of what we're doing is much different. Yeah, I think for me, I guess what I get at is if I don't go into an unknown space or a space that's scary or new, then I don't feel like I'm really bringing my best creative self to the work and it doesn't feel challenging enough for me to feel like I'm using my time well. And again, maybe that's just something I need to think about, but I always, I feel almost dismissive of the, of the concept of going back to what I've done before. I know that it's helpful. I know that there's a lot of knowledge that you can glean from for something new, but when you're building, like you can do your research and I think that's great. But when you actually go into the creative work, when you're making something, when you're building something, when you're assembling something, I feel like there has to be a willingness to go further than what you've experienced before for it to be truly creative. And that's maybe just my perspective. Yeah, I think I heard the question a little differently Um, because I agree with all that. I think what what, what I heard was, you know, you know, when we switch gears to a new project, is that at that point something that we come up with then, or do we go back and like revisit ideas that we never pursued? Um, you know, so if we have five game ideas and we make one of them, when that's done, do we go back to those other four, or do those just lay on the heap and we go do something else? 
I like heap laying um, personally. <laughs> it's a whole different conversation. Oh, sorry. Um, and I think for that take on the question, um, I usually feel like, oh, we're going to go back and revisit these or I'm going to go back and revisit these. Like, you know, I totally have quite fleshed out game ideas that, you know, we didn't pursue because we pursued Unsettled. And, uh, you know, then we had other game ideas that we didn't pursue because now we're pursuing Spiritfire. And, you know, in my head, I think, well, this is still a good idea that we'll go back to at some point. And I never really stop feeling like that usually. Like, I continue to feel like these old ideas are going to be pursued eventually. Like, they live in that mode in my head. But I think if I'm being honest, realistically, what ends up happening is I just slowly tear them apart so and use them on the new things. Almost cannibalizing them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you take them apart and that mechanic that worked well or that idea that worked well fits into this. Yeah, so I think I portions of those ideas have found their way into Unsettled and into Spirit Fire and they're kind of just being like repurposed. Mm-hmm. And eventually that thing just kind of, you know, gets blood dry and mm-hmm. infused over here. I've started to think about work that I've started and not finished. I used to think of it as graveyard of ideas where, where these ideas just don't work out and they go to die. But now I see them as like gardens and maybe that's a, a term I think I've heard a couple times, graveyards and gardens where sometimes the, the concept isn't ripe yet. Like it just isn't ready to come to fruition. Um, and it needs to in a season and, and sometimes it does just need to be buried. And so I think, I think the concept of having things in this active cultivated garden of ideas and you just like, you can come back to that later. You sometimes can glean some of that and use it on, on the thing that you're working yeah, on. Like but Tom's it does saying you go out and you pick some of those pea pods and you add it to the recipe you're working on right now. Yeah. If, if the recipe needs just watch Mark's brain and try to work into the metaphor. <laughs> I was like, like, it wasn't not You've been, you couldn't use them if they didn't, weren't in the garden. <laughs> exactly. Good. Thank exactly you. Exactly where I was that's going. What I, that's well what done. I like to hear. <laughs> that's, um, that's exactly right, Lacey. Perfect response. Uh, Krista, so for you, like, let's say when you're working on new characters um, for cards in Vindication or in Unsettled, do you... Do you look at other things that you've done and, oh, this one I could modify for this character? Or do you just kind of start from scratch on those? I feel like regardless of the project, you know, whether regardless of like the genre, because I can work in, in multiple different genres and all the surface things look very different. But there is this, it is, it feels like a well that, these same themes kind of come back and feed all of the ideas mm. and it feels like I'm drawing from that. And even when I don't mean to, even when, you know, I, I get an assignment for something that is, okay, these are these surface features that we need. It's, it's like this, this well beneath kind of feeds that. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Cause that's, what's part of us, right? You know, what are the core things that make us up? that are going to influence our projects whether we mean to or not exactly mm-hmm. it's it's almost like a process of recognition when you see it you don't know it's going to be there until you see it arise in your own work and mm-hmm. then you can recognize it at that point mm-hmm. i think there's probably different seasons of need too as far as the well goes like dine and i were watching that beatles documentary on disney mm-hmm. and like they're in this sort of pressure cooker situation where it's like, we need 14 songs right now. And we have two weeks to make all these songs. And 
when you know normally they probably would have come in the room and like noodled around and everyone has a bunch of new ideas to talk about they instead were in this position where it was like well here's one i wrote when i was 13 that you know and then they and then they take that from there and you know mm -hmm. so like the situation created a need to go to the well to these yes. things that have lived there mm -hmm. and the you don't always need to go to the garden mm -hmm. but sometimes you do mm -hmm. whatever you're feeding yourself will inform <laughs> yes as you go to the garden sometimes it's strawberries sometimes it's jalapenos um, <laughs> sometimes you mix them together yeah mm -hmm. oh, that sounds good does, actually not gonna lie uh, so listen in the saturday market of, of creative <laughs> of thought <ideas. laughs> yeah but, but to get to the point of the question i think how like what it what do you do i think some of it is mood some of it is what you've been feeding yourself some of it is what's inspiring you at the moment you know jalapenos i want spicy things today mm -hmm. so i'm going to start with something spicy you know instead of, some, some, so, instead of something sweet <laughs> that's going to make the cut isn't it? yes <laughs> <laughs> i have remorse and regret you wiggling your shoulders to the word sweet is going to be like we're going to try to make that the main mark justin you're <laughs> Don't endanger It'll your be job, in your please. video obituary. Krista, who was this question from again? It was from, let me see. Alexi. Alexi, thank you. This was a really good question. I liked being able to think about it this way, too. And what a good Saturday market of ideas metaphor we were able to come up with. From Agreed. <laughs> All right, Krista, let's move on to our second question. What you got for us? Okay, so Sarah asks, when do you feel most creatively motivated? Not necessarily creatively productive or creatively effective, but when do you feel most motivated to create? When you are more engaged with pop culture or when you are more detached from it? Does motivated to create, in your opinion, mean you're actually going to do it or you just feel like doing it? Feel inspired to do it? That's how I read mm -hmm. it. You've, when you feel the most motivated is like when I feel inspired to do it. It doesn't even necessarily mean that I'm going to do it right away, but when I feel the most inspired to do it. Is that how you're... They're tied. I was thinking the word inspired too, mm -hmm. but I think that is different for me than motivated. Mm -hmm. So like inspired by gets my brain going and I'm, I'm thinking a lot. Mm -hmm. Does that make me want to go do? Right. Not as much. Mm -hmm. I feel motivated... When I feel motivated, I tend to shut out external mm -hmm. input, but there's already some input in there that's inspiring me. So I basically lock on to something and then I need to go flesh it out. So the, I've got something rattling around up in here and it needs to, it needs to do its thing. It needs to run its course, I think, for me. I feel kind of similarly. I feel the most, if we think of inspired to create when I am a little bit more isolated from pop culture. So if I'm very engaged in it, it's usually because I'm feeling pretty good. Things are going fine. I'm enjoying life. It's fun looking at these stories. It's fun watching these movies. It's fun playing these games. When I'm isolating, it's usually because I'm processing something, maybe something big, something a little bit more heavy. And, and that's when I feel inspired and motivated to create as probably as a way to continue processing whatever it is that I'm, that I'm experiencing. There's a relationship between consuming and producing that I think happens with me. And I, I don't think I can do both well at the same time. So I think just like normal consumption, uh, when I feel like I'm full, I stop and then I apply myself a little bit differently. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sums up pretty well kind of how I feel like. 
when I am engaged with other people's creativity, like my mind is busy processing their stuff. But when I'm detached, like my mind has to do something and it starts spinning up its own stuff. And I, so I feel like I do, you know, there are times when I'm, you know, watching TV or reading a book or playing someone's game and I think, oh, I would do that differently. And, or, oh, that's triggering an idea in me. Like those moments do happen where I become motivated while engaged with someone else's creation, but not nearly on the same level or with the same frequency as like if I'm just going for a walk or I'm wandering around the forest or doing something outside and I'm not engaged with other stuff. Like I all, my mind always starts creating in those times. I like the digestive tract metaphor, you know, because if we think of it like when we're consuming, okay, that's giving us ideas, that's giving us uh, nutrients. But when it's in our, our body, the body's job then is to transform that into energy, right? And so if we can think of our creative process as that transformative process where we're taking what we've consumed and transforming it into something into energy, right? We're transforming it into a creation of our own making that processes our own experience. Um, that begs the question, what are you feeding on, mm -hmm. right? And do you need to consume other people's work in order to do that? And what if you just eat nonstop forever? Then what happens? Sick. Bloated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I kind of the causation is sometimes different for me. Like I tend to not consume a lot in general. So when I have this great burst of motivation, inspiration, that kind of a feeling, then that tends to be when I do consume because I have this, and I, and, and I guess that's what motivates me to take in from other sources. It's like, I'm feeling this. I want to create mm -hmm. it. I want to see how others have done it. I want to just like really dive into it and, and fully explore it. So I guess the motivation for the consumption would be the inspiration itself. She actually waits till she's hungry to eat. I'm not sure I've felt hunger in years. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many bagels in the world. <laughs> Not when you're done. Well, that's a great question from Sarah. It's it's interesting to just be intentional and mindful and reflect on how much we're actually plugged into pop culture and how that affects our creativity. I think that's the main purpose of of even discussing this kind of thing is being intentional and mindful about how we create and consume. Um, yeah. yeah. One more note there. I, I don't know if plugged into pop culture is as relevant as being plugged into something like any sort right? of medium. Could, yeah. Just input it doesn't have to be popular culture. Yeah. Um, the input could be anything. It could be strawberries or jalapenos or no. whatever. No, no, it can't. It depends. It really does. It, it depends. What if it's um, a beautiful jalapeno? Have you seen or a poblano? Are they like? I'm into spicy are they peppers. Like, what right are you now? doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Let's go back to the Saturday market of ideas. <laughs> I'm wishing I said farmers market of ideas because oh. that was more at, like the Saturday True. market is just full of like beeswax candles. Mm -hmm. Love those though. And variations on beeswax candles. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's better than Drum the circles. pantry of of ideas where the hot pockets are. I still go there. I do. I do like what. As to the question, the where you were taking his consumption thing, where, like, I don't think there's a, 
right or a wrong. Like there, there's a very stereotypical answer here of like, oh, it's somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of taking things in is good because it, it gives you something to churn on. And then a little bit of not taking things in is good because it gives you space to churn. And like, don't, you know, if this question comes from a place of stress, like what is the perfect way for me to be like maximizing my creativity? I mean, I would say step one is don't overthink it, Mm -hmm. relax a little bit, find room for both modes in your life and just, you know, trust that it's going to come out and you're going to have instincts that are productive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's go ahead. Uh, Tom looks sufficiently miserable. Let's move on. That's how we know we're ready. Yes. We've drained the joy from Tom. Yes. Time to start. Let's move on to the main topic for today. Today's main topic is uh, the two languages of visual and verbal. So basically what we're talking about here is communicating with images versus communicating with words. Okay. Um, So what I want to start off with is... um, how are they different? How are they the same? What can you do with one medium that you can't do with another? Um, Krista, does it scare you if I start with you? No. <laughs> Only <laughs> you know? if you ask me how I feel. <laughs> okay. No problem. I, just don't ask I will <laughs> not ask about feelings. Let's talk about what what can you do with visual art, in your opinion, that you that Tom can't do with his with his word art. Hmm. Well. I don't know. It's so much of a very different experience. Like you are, as opposed to conjuring it with words and having the, I guess, the, the person you're speaking to have the job of conjuring that in their mind and using their own experiences to kind of paint that. You are the one painting it. Mm-hmm. So you can add in uh, more detail than maybe could have been added in with words. Yeah, and it's, well, it's more up to you what the images you are showing are. It's less up to the other, to to the viewer. But is it interesting that somebody who's using words can describe with words what it means versus you don't have the ability to do that with a piece of art? You You can have a specific meaning behind what you're trying to say, but... You can show in more detail, but you can't provide context the way that words can. It's true. It's like it's it's with the two different media. It's like you have different ways that you can enter the space and different ways that you can guide the viewer or reader. But and and so in some you have greater control over some aspects, and some you have lesser. And so it's all about learning to work with those different aspects. And I think it's interesting, too, how sometimes those can converge. Like in some times of writing, you are trying to create an image and let the viewer experience that almost like a, a painting. And in some images that you're creating, you are trying to tell a story and you are trying to guide the, the viewer's eye as if it were a narrative. So it, they can converge and, and be separate. Tom, as uh, primarily somebody who uses words versus Krista being somebody who primarily uses images, what do you think you can do with writing that can't be done with art? I think I I really appreciated what Krista was saying about the different levels of control. Mm -hmm. Um, Because on one hand, you do have 
in some ways, more control with writing in that you get to say, here's exactly where we're entering. Here's exactly the information that I'm giving you at the pace that I want you to give, take it in. You know, I want you to focus on this element for as long as I want you to. And then we move on to this next thing. And it kind of has, it's consumed in the cadence that I dictate. Mm -hmm. Whereas with an image, you know, you can have a focal point and say, put your attention here. But like, here it all is. People are free to engage with it however they want. And, you know, so, and, and, you know, so in some ways, while you're writing, you have more control, but you also have less control from the fact that, like, they get to bring a lot more to it. Like, you can't force someone to picture what you're describing. Right. You can describe it, but the, everyone's still going to picture that thing you just described very differently. Absolutely. Based and, on what they've experienced, based on how they're processing that information. Mm -hmm. So... Like, and in some ways that's kind of liberating as a writer in that, like, I don't have to describe something, like, it's not my job to make someone picture exactly what I want them to picture. It's my job to create a situation where they're going to experience what I'm trying to elicit from them, but they get to picture it in the context of what they bring to it so it'll be more effective for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's a different... It's a very different tool set, in, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's really fascinating because with visual, it can be almost like a mirror of that. You can't tell a person what somebody is feeling. For example, a character in writing, you can't, you can't describe that in the artwork, but you can, in kind of a similar way, provide the elements that they will come out with that feeling. It's just one is leaning more heavily on being able to show someone details of the world while the other one is leaning more heavily of maybe how to show people the details of the story, the specific story mm -hmm. that's being told with words versus with pictures. Mark, as somebody who, who curates those things to go together, you know, how do you see them as different or the same? Well, I think that is the art, right? The craft is using words and images together because so, you know, sometimes it's the addition of words to an image and sometimes it's making sure that there are no words so that you open up the space for people to imagine. I think you can get a lot of clarity with words that I think you can't get with images and then I think the reverse is also true. I think sometimes when you think about iconography and you think about illustration that makes it clear beyond words. But the thing about images is they can be language independent, right? So like if you have somebody that doesn't speak your language, you can you can communicate really clearly with an image. Mm. But the craft of putting those together is where the discernment comes in 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 the amounts of, of each and the ingredients and the application and the process and the mindfulness as to to invoke the response that you're hoping to get knowing full well that the reader or the viewer is going to tell their own story in their head for what they're seeing, right? So beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's always true. Uh, but I think there's power to each of them. And, and I think sometimes words can be more clear than images and sometimes images can be more clear than words. Yeah. And each can also open up and do the opposite and be the lack of clarity gives you room to roam and explore and wander. And people love that. People love filling in the gaps themselves. Well, and the way you put them together can sort of change the interpretation and the experience of the other. Mm. You, you, you mentioned something. I don't exactly remember the context. We may have been talking about this exact same thing. 
um, weeks, if not months ago, where you were talking about like, here's an image of like an atom bomb mushroom cloud. Yep. And, you know, the way that that feels, depending on what caption you put under it, can feel very different. Like if it says never again or ultimate power. You know, those words married to that image change the image. Regardless of what the and, artist's name yeah. was. And mm -hmm. so the, the marrying of them is really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. I Something you just said about what people bring to it reminded me of this Humphrey Bogart quote that I always think about when I'm working on things where it was some acting advice he was giving to someone. I don't remember if I've shared this before, but I always really like this. Okay. Um, where he was giving some acting advice to some young people and he was talking about how like give the audience something that they don't already know and so he was talking about like if someone's pointing a gun at you don't act scared like that's not the piece of acting you should be doing there's a gun pointing at you everyone watching knows that you're scared show them something else, give them a different layer, give them a different piece of texture and make it more deep because yeah, you act scared. Everyone knows. Yeah. That's and like adding a line to that mushroom cloud that just says a bomb. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important point for an illustrator. It's because you are given these words and these descriptions that you are essentially illustrating and bringing to life, but you want to put more into it. You want it to reveal something that the text doesn't, otherwise there's no purpose for the image. I think it can be most powerful when they're working in tandem and each showing something that the other doesn't. Mm -hmm. I'm all, I'm so amused by this image of a, bomb going off and the word bomb underneath it like the hilarious redundancy there is uh -huh. funny to me i'm distracted now this is all we're, we're it's over um it's not over until okay. i say it's over. <laughs> and you know that so drink some water here a bomb um so nuance is so is so important in all of these layers of storytelling because what makes a story very uninteresting is if you're just told exactly what happens and you're shown exactly what happened, then what's the point? We all experience life, okay? We don't need to just be shown and told exactly what happens. The interest and intrigue comes in those spaces in between what's told, in between what's shown. And finding the balance of nuance and clarity through either of these mediums, I think, is is a very big challenge for most creatives. I think you're right. I think the goal is how do you make, you know, use what you're giving to create that space in between for people to process their own experience. Yes. And that's like the goal of all of it. Mm -hmm. Relatable and unexpected. I think if you can, if you can leave those gaps where people have to fill them in so that it gives them something active to do that goes through their lens, but it's also a relationship between the artist and the viewer because the artist is doing something that, that connects it connects them. It connects us because of what you've illustrated. I see differently than you do, but we can still share the humanity behind it or the feeling or the mood or the purpose or the setting or the environment or the memory or whatever it might be. One of the things that I think you said in our planning meeting for this, it, at least it sounded like something you would say, it says um, media is an emotional proposition moment to moment. And I think that is so true. Why, why is somebody going to give you their attention? You know, and why, and, and 
how do you want, why do you want people to give you that attention? You know, there's, there's lots of large companies, lots of large media companies that want to siphon your attention in order to make profit off of your attention. And I mean, I guess that's basically capitalism, um, in today's day and age. However, as artists, I don't think most of us creatives are like, let's make money off the people. (laughs) You know, we're, we're, not in that voice, at least. No. <laughs> um, you know, we're we're wanting people to have an experience. We're wanting people to move through some of the things that we've moved through. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're just wanting people to feel what we feel. You know, it's it's this. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's interesting. There's something that I think we've touched on before that, but that continues to be interesting to me is how. The written word, generally speaking, is always really a private experience. Mm-hmm. Like, very rarely are you reading something in a way that is public and other people know exactly what you're reading and what you're experiencing. Like, it's very, it's close to you. You alone are consuming it's it. Quiet. No one's consuming mm-hmm. it with you. And it gets to go places and do things that a lot of times, like, you know, something visual can't do or we wouldn't be comfortable with it doing. Um, I think that's a uniquely interesting part of the written word is how private it is in its consumption. Absolutely. Let's you to, lets you be more introspective and reflective mm-hmm. versus when you go to an art gallery, if you will, you're often with people. And so there's these social pressures and these social constructs, constructs that are affecting how you're experiencing the art too. Something that I wanted here. Uh, Something that I wanted to throw in. Hi, Jared here, slipping into the pod. Um, uh, something that you mentioned a second ago about how each different piece of media has its own amount of time that it uh, that it demands or asks from you, extracts, and also from that you. it that it uh, deserves and warrants like the actual quality of the thing, and that um, you know in an image when when you have a painting that there are you know thousands and thousands of so many details and, but the the actual requirement for somebody to engage with that piece of media is basically instant and yeah. then any engagement beyond that is totally self-guided and is earned by that first moment mm. whereas the same amount of detail, you know, if I am writing a story and I spend eight paragraphs describing this like satchel and how detailed it is, it's like if I had drawn a painting and then held your head just over top of the satchel (laughs) for 15 minutes looking at it, I want you to see all these details before we can move on. And that, you know, if you're going to do that in the written medium, you have to have earned their uh, their desire to see all of those details. Now all I can picture is somebody going to a museum and you stick your head in the thing and it like moves your head in a sequence or like the person in the museum who's like the what's that person walking you around guide yeah the the guide is like moving everyone's head being like this is the most important details of this Mm -hmm. it would be interesting to to read tom's eight paragraphs about what the satchel looks like and then to reveal what krista has illustrated the satchel actually looks like that is interesting. That would be an interesting topic. I think it would be a successful museum experience, actually, to just have, there are all these pieces, and there's just a person standing next to each of them, and, like, you've signed a waiver that says, I will be touched, <laughs> and, like, you just go and you stand in front of this thing, and then the person, like, shoves your head around, and, like, that's part of the experience of going to this exhibit. Mm-hmm. That would, I would go to that. I'll get working on that. I'll get started. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> I want a name for it. It'll be, I'll come up with something by the end of the. <laughs> my end of our conversation here. Um, 
the pacing is one of the most interesting parts about the difference between the two, in my opinion, because we almost had disagreements when we were talking about which one has faster pacing earlier. When you look at a, at a piece of, of, um, art, you know, an actual drawing or an illustration, you take it all in at once. And so there's this very fast pace, but then you can guide yourself at any pace that you want versus writing where there is a very strict guided pace. There's not, there's not a lot of deviation you can do. You can go back and read again. You can pause and reflect, but it's so much more guided. Yeah, there's different level. There's different trust required from the creator. You know, with, with an image, you know, you make this image and you're trusting that the person consuming it is taking the time to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because someone can just look at your painting and be like, sucks, you know, mm-hmm. half a second looking at it. Your satchel's stupid. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with writing, they can't just look at it for half a second and make that determination. That's not a yeah. problem that you have. But you have this different trust required that they're going to bring something to it and connect with it. And, you know, so there's different trust being asked. How quickly we dismiss things says something about our processor, Mm. I think, especially in this culture that we live in of immediacy and convenience. And it's something I have to check myself on a lot is how quickly we dismiss something because we think we know what it means, even though it might not mean that. And so there's something in there that kind of gives me pause too when I see something. It's like, oh, there it is again, that thing I hate. But maybe it's not, Mm. you know? This is part of what I like so much about reading and writing, you know, associated. But like when I'm reading, that experience is far less susceptible to me being in the mode of the culture. Like, you know, snap, 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 here's my feed, da 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 Like, I can get in the trap of just consuming an image quickly or seeing something and writing it off or, you know, doing exactly what Mark just said. But, like, that option is not available to me when I'm reading. Like, I am sitting here reading. I can't just instantly dismiss this. It's almost like by the nature of the medium, you are committed to experiencing this world. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, it just seems lossy to me to scroll on your phone and like how much are you getting, right? That that instantaneous view, look, read, whatever it is, I feel like I feel like it doesn't do a lot of the work justice. And a more mindful approach is something that I think would benefit all of us. I I don't know, this is how I feel. Um and yet I I do the same thing, right? Is this for me? Is this for me? Is this not for me? Um and I don't know, there's, there's something that rubs me the wrong way about that. But at the same time, how convenient is it to have everything at our fingertips in terms of, you know, content and ideas and information and data and stuff like that? I saw a quote the other day, maybe it was a meme that just said, we were never meant to know that this many people existed and all of their opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I think one of the last angles that I want to take on this is, when is this most important to think about while creating, while consuming both, you know, as creatives who are, are doing many different types of art, um, is it my, is it most important for us to think about these differences when we're creating or when we're consuming? I mean, I think consumption is one of the best things that we can take from this is thinking about how we're consuming content and being mindful about our own pacing and the way that we're consuming content, the environment we're consuming it in. 
think that looking at the other craft can really inform our our own like if we look at the other the way for example as a visual artist the way things are done in words um, I one time had an instructor say that trying to describe everything visually in extreme detail you know having everything be realistic and modeled and things like that as opposed to letting there be soft edges and letting there be low contrast in some areas and giving a focal point that that is that trying to spell everything out is akin to that person who just wants to everybody's had this experience somebody who will just talk and talk and talk and talk and never leave room to breathe mm -hmm. and for the other person to have an opinion mm -hmm. so when I think about that that difference between just having endless talking I can apply that to my own visual art and say I don't want to give people that feeling interesting okay Jared Bumble over here you have a thought I love hearing your bumbled thoughts. Thank you. I write them down bumblingly, bumblingly <laughs> as I am in the middle of the night, grabbing my phone off the nightstand. Bumble, 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 bumble. Um, what is happening? So <laughs> in our conversation so far, we've talked about how images are instant and how words take extra time. And mm -hmm. in, in an interesting time that that paradigm is completely flipped is when we're, when we're talking about things that everybody is super duper familiar with. Mm. So for example, the, di the difference in effort between saying he walked and hand animating a character walking mm. is vastly mm, interesting. Different. I mean, in D&D, &D, yeah. some of the fastest moments are it's like, okay, and then we walk for 12 hours and then it's done. Mm -hmm. And those things that all of us can immediately understand and quantify that are like base human experiences, like it takes extra effort to draw it out as opposed to just saying it. Mm -hmm. That was the thought that I had. Like I can say wordle and people can, can understand what it is because it's so popular right now, except for some people on this couch who don't know what it is and that's fine. Yeah. Interesting. And don't look at me, that I know what it is. You do? Do you do it? Wordle. I did it. Yeah, I did it once, and then I was like, that was cool. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Good job, everyone. <laughs> I got it on the second row. How do you think you spell bumbling? Bumble organ. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, Krista, there's a story I want you to share. I don't know what better way to, to transition it into that, but I think... You know, you have such good experience with how much detail and what kind of detail you put into art. And um, I want to hear you talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I had an instructor when I was learning say, you know, a lot of times when we're starting out, we want to describe everything and we want to get it realistic and in perfect detail. And I had an instructor say that, you know, sometimes you can leave room for that mystery and that that actually takes more skill is to know when to leave a soft edge, know when to have low contrast, know when to leave there be space to breathe in a picture. And that spelling everything out and describing everything visually is akin to one of those, you know, everybody's met somebody who where when they talk to you, that's just like every every ounce of space is filled with their words and there's not it's not really a conversation anymore. Mm -hmm. It's more of like a like An a assault. Monologue. Yes, yes. <laughs> a verbal assault. <laughs> uh, with the things coming out of your mouth. Um, but yeah, so so I think that's interesting in this conversation about the two kind of visual versus verbal by looking at the other medium and comparing mm. how does that how does that relate to what i'm doing what can i learn from that what can i take from that i think that's true of writing too 
I think that I think a, an author can leave space intentionally for the viewer or the reader to fill that in and they can, you know, almost set traps in a way, um, engagement or excitement traps or, you know, play on the emotions of the reader and, 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 and help each reader tell a different story from the same piece of work. Um, and the same is true of illustration, but I think they're just different crafts of the same, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the same effect. Yeah, I think you have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you try to describe everything in the room, then your series that should be six books long is 14 and it's the Wheel of Time. You know, like you can't, it, you have to leave that room. Otherwise, it's just completely overwhelming, like the person you're talking about. It's just so yeah. much information you don't know what to focus on. None of it gets to matter. And it just is like you don't have you don't get to bring anything of yourself to the situation. Yeah, you can just say he did that ridiculous thing that he always does. And then everybody laughed like they always do. And here's what everyone in the room felt about it and what you should feel about it. Right. But you don't you're not saying what it is. (laughs) Yeah, it's more like you want to lead the the reader through the experience than to kind of, you know, force them. Experience is an important word because they need to be able to experience it, Mm -hmm. not just be told about it Mm -hmm. and or shown about it. And suffocated by it yeah and for the most part you're not actually having an experience consuming something if you're not bringing something to it that's how you connect to it mm-hmm. and if there's not room for someone to connect to something they don't truly have an experience they just observe an event mm-hmm. and i think you know you know if we're trying to decide like what why does this matter why why would you ever think about this and how can thinking about this be valuable on any level you know i think is that what you're thinking as we're getting to the end of this podcast? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I think it's, you know, as when you're consuming something, the question is, what am I supposed to be bringing this to re- bringing to this right now? You know, as I read this, what am I bringing to this experience? How how is how is this an experience because of what I'm bringing to it? Mm-hmm. And the same with when I'm looking at something. Like what is my responsibility in the relationship between me and this thing to experience this thing? And then I think there's also it's also valuable when you're making something to be conscious of this because it lets you really take advantage of the media that you're working in. Like, what am I uniquely able to do in this space that I couldn't do in any other space? And am I doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I really like Krista's thoughts of whatever your specialty is. Can you analyze a different specialty to glean something from it? You know, I think that's important. Yeah, because they can all show you something different. Mm hmm. And as the creator, I would prefer that as the uh, creators who are making stuff right now, I would prefer as a consumer to have surprise parties planned for me than to be trapped. So when you say we can set (laughs) exciting traps, I'm like, let's not. Like maybe as creatives, we can set surprise parties for people. That is a trap. I don't want to be trapped. But it's nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice trap. They can be nice traps. Fine. But what if it was a snack trap? (laughs) <laughs> she likes bear it. trap and I was surprised <laughs> yeah you've been got that's okay the the last thing i'll say about this topic is when you have multiple creatives working together on a project that's where you really start to get into the nuance of how those things can be married together and there's no recipe right there's no right or wrong recipe it, you have an illustrator and you have a writer and you have a designer and you have, you know, a lot of different minds working together and each one's coming from a different perspective. And I think that makes it that 
that makes it somewhat magical, somewhat special. Like there's there's some fizzly stuff in the potion mm -hmm. when you get all these people together and they're all working together and, and trying to pull in the same direction. But really, are they? You know, they're they're all coming from different angles. And I think I think the more you do that, the better you get at making concessions for someone else's opinion that will broaden your audience and kind of help increase that impact. Yeah, I agree. Thank you all for hanging out with us today. Uh, I loved being able to talk about this with you. I love always having you all on the couch. OK, um, just throw a surprise party for me soon. Not a trap. Have strawberry jalapenos there, please. Snack packs. Um, that's right. Um, if you enjoyed this, leave us a review. If you didn't, leave us alone. Um, if you have topic ideas for us that you want us to talk about, because um, like Tom, you got to the end of this episode and you're like, why are we talking about this again? Um, I just heard leave us alone. <laughs> like, like here's some money. Oh. And we're cool with that too. We don't need that. That's not what we're asking for. That's fine. Um, our Venmo is. Um, <laughs> Uh, if you have ideas for topics for us, orangeenabler.com slash topics, you can add in some main topics, some community-focused questions, and we'll come see you in the Outpost community on Facebook soon uh, on our Discord channel. Um, but have a great rest of your day, your week, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. gonna say bye today just me i just get to sing the bye alone we're letting you carry this one this is way better than the first three takes of this goodbye <laughs> <laughs>